look into the Word of God. Our dear Father, we know that as we have read this morning from Lamentations chapter 3, your mercies are always new every morning, and your faithfulness is unfailing. Your great love for us, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, is beyond compare, Lord. You're the Holy One, and because of you, we are forgiven of all our sins. So we come to you right now, Lord, as we study your word, to surrender our lives to you, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is a reasonable service. May your word continue to enlighten us and help us, Lord, to live a godly life, O oh Lord. I pray for this church, Richmond Bible Baptist Church, to continue to be united under one spirit, under one faith, under one Bible, under one doctrine, O oh Lord, and one Savior and Lord. And I pray that as you lead us also into our church meeting after the service, you'll unite our hearts and help us, Lord, to work for the common goal of giving glory and honor and praises to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we continue to study Nehemiah, O oh Lord, help us, Lord, to put ourselves in the shoes of the Jewish people during this time, O oh Lord, and see how we can also fight off the tactics of the enemies, enemy of our soul, O oh Lord, Satan. Lord, may you give us the victory that we need every day, O oh Lord, every moment of our life, because we are surrounded by our enemies, O oh Lord, and it's only you that we can depend on for our day-to-day -day victory. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So please turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Imagine yourself playing in a team, okay? Whether that would be a basketball team, a volleyball team, or a soccer team, and so on and so forth. And usually in one team, there's that star player, Okay. The leader, they call it sometimes the team captain. And of course, that team has always an opposition. Okay, The opposite team will always try to win against this team. And just imagine you are in that team and you have a team captain who is a star player. He's very good in his craft. He has very good skills in playing that kind of sports. If that player is your best player, ultimately your opponents will always be targeting the team captain, right? They will try perhaps to hurt him or defend that person very well. And when that happens, what will happen to the whole team? If that leader or the team captain is hurt, if that team captain is discouraged, what will happen to the rest of the team? everybody will also be discouraged. The same thing happens in the spiritual realm, in the church. The leader of the church is always the target of the enemy. Because as we all know, if the shepherd is stricken, the followers will also be scattered. The sheep of the shepherd, the flock will be scattered. So if the leader is discouraged, the leader is hurt by the enemy, 
the rest of the people will also be affected. The same thing happens with Nehemiah. This leader, this great leader, is going to be intimidated by their enemies in Israel. And they know that if they're going to hurt Nehemiah, hurt his reputation, hurt his focus, and discourage him, everybody else will be affected. And that's what the enemy is always doing, even in the church. If the leader is down, the rest of the team will also be affected. So that's why unity and cooperation and participation and involvement is so important in any group or in any organization or any institution. Just in case, Nehemiah was intimidated and he said, I'm not going to continue with the work, with the rebuilding of the wall. What do you think will happen with this great project? It will stop. And the enemy will be mocking them. The enemy will be laughing at this group of people. But thank God that Nehemiah was not only a great leader, but he was a great follower of the Lord. He knew that when the enemy is going to intimidate him, he needed to depend upon the Lord. Several times all throughout the book of Nehemiah, this great leader was always praying. There's not even a moment that he will stop praying while they were rebuilding the wall. And that's why I encourage you, pray for your pastor. Pray for one another. Because the pastor will always be the target of the enemy. Through discouragement, through ta ta fatigue and, and health problems and so on and so forth. And not only that, we need to pray for one another. Just like what Nehemiah did to his own people. The leader is often the target of the enemy. And we should not ignore that very important situation in our life. So our main idea here in Nehemiah chapter 6 is that we can overcome intimidation by trusting God for strength in order to complete the task that he has given us. So that's the key. Trust God for strength. And we will see here in these 19 verses of chapter 6 how Nehemiah trusted God when his enemies intimidated him. Back in chapter 4, as you can remember, the whole team of Nehemiah were discouraged by the enemies of God. So now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, they did not succeed in doing that. So they said, let's target the leader. Because if the leader is down, then all the people will be affected by his discouragement. So look at verse 1. It says here in verse 1, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Jeshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. So after several days, about 52 days, the rebuilding of the wall was completed, except for the gates or the doors for the walls. They're at the verge of completing the project. And what does the enemy do? They will not relent. They will not give up in stopping the rebuilding of the wall. 
Even though they're almost finished with the rebuilding, the enemy said, we'll still need to do something in order to stop them from doing this. Because remember, the rebuilding of the wall during that time was an important protection against the enemies of Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem. And they needed to rebuild that wall to protect them from these groups of people. But of course, the enemy will not be satisfied unless the people of God were discouraged. The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ right now, not only RBBC, but every true Christian church all over the world are being persecuted right now, especially in the communist nations. Leaders, especially leaders, were being jailed and imprisoned in China, in Cuba, those communist nations. And that's why we need to pray for those people, those leaders. Some of them were just taken by government authorities, and then they can never be found anymore. Who knows what happened to them already? The enemies are not relenting. So don't give up. Don't let your guard up. Because if you give up those protection that God has given you, prayer, the word of God, fellowship, and everything else that God has given us, we can be a great target from the enemy. So now in verse 2, it says here, Sanbalat and Jeshem said unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. They thought to do me mischief. So the first word that comes out of the enemy is, let us meet together. What comes to mind when we, talk, when we see that phrase, let us meet together? Let us have fellowship. Can we have fellowship with unrighteousness? Can we have fellowship with the wicked people? Can we have fellowship with unbelievers? Second Corinthians chapter 6 tells us, no, we cannot have communion or fellowship with people who are not righteous, with people who are not born again believers. But again, I would like to have this disclaimer. I'm not saying that we isolate ourselves from those people. We still need to reach out to those people, but we don't get together with them and follow their lifestyle. That's what Sanballat and Jeshem wanted Nehemiah to do. Get out of Jerusalem where he has protection from his own people and go to several hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem where he alone, together with God's enemies, might do some kind of harm or mischief against him. So we see here that Nehemiah did not give in to destruction. Okay? So look at verse 3. What did he do? I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? He was just ignoring the enemy because he knew, looking back at verse 3, they thought to do me the mischief. He discerned. And that's one important skill or probably gift that we need to ask from the Lord also. The gift of discernment. You know what discernment means? It's the ability to recognize between what is right and what is wrong. Between what is right and some appearances of evil. Because there will be times that we think that what is in, what is in front of us is right in, the, in, a, in our own eyes, but they are just deceiving us. 
is just like Satan posing as an angel of light. So discernment is so important, especially for many Christians right now. Discernment in our relationships with, our, with, uh, with other people, discernment in our workplace, discernment in the school, and so on and so forth. We need to know how to recognize between what is wrong and what is right. And Nehemiah had that kind of discernment. He knew that these enemies of God are not planning to do him anything that is good. He knew that they're going to do mischief unto him. So he said, I'm busy working. He doesn't want to be distracted. He wanted to just be focused on what God has told him to do. And the enemy will always say that. For example, on a Sunday morning, you are ready to go to church. And then someone told you, or probably your friend that told, told you, let's go to, to the beach. It's a very sunny day. This, this morning around 10 o'clock, let's go to the beach. Let's have some kind of recreation. Or let's go to the shopping mall. Or let's go across the border. The enemies of God will try to distract you from your own focus. The Lord Jesus Christ was so focused when he was here on earth. Many people are planning to take him, to make him a king. But he said at all times, no, I don't want to be your king because I am the king of my God's kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom. The same with all of us. When God has told us to do something, a great task, for example, the great task of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe what Jesus Christ has commanded us. The Great Commission. If that is what God wanted us to do as a church, then our focus should be the Great Commission. Wherever you are, in your, in your workplace, in your school, at home, in your neighborhood, make it a point every day this coming week to ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to talk to a person or probably give a gospel track to a person. Don't you know that Jesus Christ will be coming back very, very soon? Don't you know that what's happening in the world right now are signs that is coming back. I'm not saying that it's coming back next week or tomorrow or next year, but who knows if it's going to come back right after this message. Have you done your part to share the good news? To that one person, at least one person that God says, you need to reach out to this person because I want him to get saved also. Are you doing that part in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you just contented there? sitting on those chairs, singing those songs, listening to the message, and then after attending the service, you just go out and do your own thing all throughout the week. That's not the lifestyle of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is always with Him, teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom to all people. It's time for all of us to do what we need to do. Yesterday, we were at the Terra Nova Park together with Brother Elmer. People are just 
laughing, celebrating their birthdays. There's nothing bad about that. But when you give them something that is spiritual, a gospel track, and talk to them about Jesus Christ, they said, I don't need that. It's okay. Thank you for that. People's hearts are getting wicked and more wicked as days go by. We are in the days of Noah. We are just like in the days of Jonah. We are just like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. All three combined. But what are we doing? Are we focused on the work of God? Or are we getting distracted? Right now, so we have so many distractions in the whole world. We have all those gadgets. We have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime Video. We have HBO. We have all kinds of distractions. And sometimes we spend so, so much time of our day distracted by those things. But how much do we spend reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God? Five minutes? Or perhaps not even five minutes. Probably just one minute. Okay, Lord, I just read one verse here. Thank you. Amen. Is that how we treat the Son of God that we have been singing to a while ago? Jesus, Holy One, you have forgiven me. You have saved me with your great love. Are we just saying all those things just out of leaf service? God wants us to act on what we believe in. He wants us to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. What are we doing, Church of the Lord Jesus Christ? What are we doing, God's people? When we meet Jesus Christ up there in the air, are we going to be rejoicing that we have done our part, or are we going to be embarrassed telling Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, Lord. Yes, I know I'm saved, but I've done nothing to serve you while here on earth. God doesn't want you to feel ashamed, but He wants you to feel confident. And how can we be, feel confident? We focus on the work of God, just like Nehemiah. And four times, verse 4 in our passage, four times they sent the same invitation to Nehemiah. But what did he do? He answered them after the same manner. I cannot be distracted. I need to go on doing the work that the Lord has given me. Do not debate with foolish people. He told Sanbalat and Jeshem, I cannot go down because I am doing a great job for my God. He did not debate or argue, argue with these foolish people who are the enemies of God. The book of Proverbs says, do not answer a fool according to his own ways. Because if you answer the fool, you debate with him, you argue with him, you'll be like a fool also. So it's better to just ignore and pray for that person to become wiser, to become a child of God. Now in verses 5 to 9, we see that we should not also pay attention to gossip. So it's not only intimidating by destruction, but it's also intimidating by gossiping about Nehemiah. So in verse 5, it says, Then Sanballat his servant unto me, unlike in like manner, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So what does it mean by an open letter? So during that time, when you circulate a letter or a scroll, they're usually sealed or rolled. 
But this letter that is being circulated by Sanbalat and his servant was open. That means every person that this letter got into had read what's inside. And what is inside? Verse 6 says, Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu said it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. So this enemy of God was spreading the rumor, just a rumor, a gossip, that Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall in order to establish himself as the king. And he's going to rebel against the Persian king who was ruling Jerusalem during that time. And remember, Nehemiah was a servant of the king of Persia. He was the cupbearer. And imagine if his own employer would find out about this, then what would he do with Nehemiah? He will execute him right away because he's rebelling against the king. But that's not what Nehemiah was doing. We know that Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall because that's what God commanded them to do and not to rebel against the king. So the enemies will always spread rumors. And sadly, gossiping and rumors are very predominant right now in many churches. And sometimes we disguise gossip and rumors as prayer requests. We'll tell our brothers and sisters, or even sometimes in your workplace, oh, this is not a rumor, this is not gossiping. Uh, let's just pray for this person because he or she is, did and did and did, did all those things until everybody in the whole church knew about this situation. And it became a gossip rather than a prayer request. And that's something that we need to avoid. Nehemiah doesn't want that to happen. And he did not want to compromise with the truth. So in verse 7, it says here, Thou was also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Second time. The first one, Going to the land of Ono, the, the enemy said, let us meet together. Now, secondly, he said, let us take counsel together. So the enemy would not relent to tell you, hey, come, come to my kingdom. Join me. It's okay. It will not hurt you. You're saved. You're a follower of your Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't hurt if you just join me once in a while. Follow the lifestyle of the world once in a while, and that should be okay. That's what the enemy is always trying to do in order to deceive us. But again, we see here that Nehemiah has a great discernment. He knew that this is a ploy of the enemy to discredit him, to destroy his reputation as the leader of God's people. So what did he do in verses 8 and 9? Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou fainest them out of thine own heart. In short, he's telling the servant of Sanbalat, You are all liars. You are all gossipers. You're just spreading rumors that are not true. What, are, what you are saying is not true. You are lying to your teeth. 
And the purpose of their lying, verse 9 says, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. That's the purpose of the enemy, to make us afraid. Remember, fear does not come from the Lord. God wants us to be confident. God wants us to be bold. Instead of being fearful, He wants us to have faith in Him. Remember the disciples when they were in a storm on the boat. Jesus Christ said, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? God wants us to grow in our faith rather than be fearful of the enemy. Why should we fear of the enemy? God is way more powerful than our enemy. Jesus Christ is already victorious. Because fear, if that will dominate in our life, that kind of emotion will dominate in our life, we will be discouraged. What happens when God's people become so fearful, they won't participate in God's work, they will not pray, they will not read the word of God, they will not have fellowship. Fear of the enemy will cause discouragement. And that discouragement becomes predominant in the church. That will weaken the church. And that's why it's very important, especially for the leader, to stand strong. Doesn't mean that the leader is always perfect, of course not, but the leader should always be dependent on the Lord. And that's why at the last part of verse 9, Nehemiah prayed. He said, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. Because he knew, but by himself, he cannot be strong. The book of Psalms tells us, The Lord is the strength of our heart. The Lord is the strength of our heart. He is our rock. He is our foundation. We need to pray when we start getting discouraged, when we are weakening in our spiritual life. How many of you right now here in this building are getting discouraged? How many of you are weakening in your walk with the Lord? Would you invite Him and ask Him, pray to Him, Lord, strengthen my hands. I need your strength. You're the only one who can give me that boldness and the confidence to face the enemy and be triumphant. Therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Don't pay attention to gossip. Just stay true to what the Word of God is telling you and ask God for His strength in order to persevere. Without God's strength, we can never persevere in God's Word. Thirdly, verses 10 to 14, do not fall into the temptation of fear. So first, the enemy intimidated Nehemiah by distracting him from the work and then spreading some kind of rumor against him and now causing him to fear. And this is the worst kind of intimidation that the enemy gives to Nehemiah. So ten, verse 10, Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehitabel, who was shut up, uh, Shemaiah was a prophet. And he said, Let us meet together a third time. 
So three times in this chapter, the enemy says, let us come together, let us meet together. Work in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. So there's the threat towards Nehemiah. And this prophet said, I know that there are some people, the enemies of God, will try to kill you. So the best thing that you can do now is to enter the temple so that you can be protected by the Lord God himself and by the priest. Sounds good. Sounds all right to do because you are in the house of God. But there's a big problem. Nehemiah was not a Levite nor a priest. Because he was from the kingdom of Judah. He is from the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says in the Mosaic law, only Levites or priests can enter the house of God. It may not be a big deal for all of us, but for the Jewish people, a rule is a rule. So just in case, Nehemiah said, okay, I'll go into the house of God, to the temple, to the Lord's temple. What would that cost him? It would cost him his reputation, his testimony, his witness as a leader. Because people knew that he was from Judah and not from the tribe of Levi. And right there and then, even though for some people, that's only a slight violation of the law. But remember, in the eyes of God, any violation of his law is already a great sin before him. Any sin before the eyes of God is already an abomination. When God says, do not enter my temple unless you are a Levite or a priest after Aaron's lineage, then you cannot enter the temple. And Nehemiah, although he was a civilian leader, he knew God's laws. The same with all of us. God's, uh, God's enemies will try to deceive us to, to do something that is against the word of God. And we need to be discerning that if God would be dishonored when we violate his law, then we shouldn't be doing so. One example is that in our relationships, again, being unequally yoked. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are told in the Bible that in our personal intimate relationships, especially when before you got married, your soon-to-be spouse should be a born-again believer, a Christian. And if you choose a person who is not a child of God, the Bible says you are unequally yoked. And if you are unequally yoked, you are violating God's word. Some people would say, as always, well, pastor, I have a great privilege and a great opportunity to preach the good news to my spouse, even though he or she is not a Christian before we got married. I will choose to marry that person because I have the privilege to preach the good news. But the problem is that you have already violated an important law or command of God. And if you violated that, you will suffer the consequences of your own wrongdoing, your wrong actions. So it's better, especially in your personal relationships, 
make sure that the person that going, you're going to have an intimate relationship is also a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what is written in the Word of God. Here in verse 10 to 14, let's go on in verse 10, uh, verse 11. I said, such a man as I flee, and who is there that being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. So he made a firm stand. I will not go in because he knew that he was not a Levite. So this is the key to all of us. When we are being intimidated by the enemy to fear for our life, know who we are in the eyes of God. Remember that song that uh, Brother Ryback and Christine sang a while ago, Who am I? Who are we in the eyes of God? We are not equal with God. We are not here to violate the commands of God. But we are here, saved, forgiven, redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to follow Him, to imitate His example and not to violate, violate his laws. That's what we need to understand, our identity in Christ. That we cannot just do what we want. The Jewish people during the time of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2, because they thought that they are saved already, they have the license to violate the commands of God. And they were saying, because there's so much grace that comes from God, then, so if we sin more, then there will be more grace. But that's wrong. Perhaps there will be more grace when we sin, but there will be more consequences and more discipline that comes from God. So that's a wrong principle to become part of your life as a Christian. The grace of God is not a license for us to sin more and more. The grace of God is there to show us how to live a godly life. Titus chapter 2 tells us. So in verse 12, going back to Nehemiah chapter 6, Lo, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had heard him. So again, that sense of perception, discernment again. He knew that this person was not from God. How did he know about that? Because the prophet told him to do something in violation against the word of God. So how we can we protect ourselves from these kinds of people who can deceive us into violating the word of God? We need to be experts of the word of God. We need to continue to study and meditate on God's word. Because if you don't know the word of God, then you will be like a wave, a, a group of people that can be swayed by every wind of doctrine, by every wind of teaching that's permeating the world today. Nehemiah perceived that this prophet was a false prophet, that he's a fake prophet. He's not from God. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, it says there that a true prophet from God will only speak the word of God in truth. He will not twist or corrupt or pervert the word of God for his own purposes. So that's what he did. He knew also that Tobiah and Sambalat, the enemies of God's people, had hired this person. 
So verse 13, therefore was he hard that I should be afraid and do so and sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. So that's the end game. When he goes into the temple, that's sin against God, and what will happen to him, his reputation will be affected. He'll be reproached by people. And especially by God, because he violated the word of God. So again, in verse 14, what did he do? He prayed again. So don't relent on praying. Don't give up. Don't ever think that you can pray uh, so much. Because God can always accept your prayers. God is always ready to listen to your prayers. So Nehemiah said, My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their words, and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have caught me in fear. So God, deal with them. I leave their life to you. May you deal with them as they wanted to destroy me and to harm me as your leader. And because Nehemiah triumphed triumph over all this intimidation, what happened in verse 15 to 19? They finished the wall in 52 days. Because he was not distracted, he was not intimidated by fear, and he was not faced by gossips and rumors. So he stayed true and faithful to accomplishing the work of God. And he rallied all his people as they rise up and rebuild the wall. We must continue to trust God for strength. And that's what happened to these people of God. And because they trusted God for strength, they were able to finish in record 52 days. Remember, I told you a while ago, this wall is about 2.5 miles in length. That's a lot. And during this time, it was only about 40,000 people who were working. And that's not enough to finish those 2.5 miles of wall. But they were able to finish that in record in 52 days. If you have Guinness Book of World Records during that time, that could be a world record. 52 days, less than two months, your faith finished the temple, uh, the wall, the rebuilding of the wall which was completely garbage during his time. But again, as you can see in the rest of the passage in 16 to 19, the enemy will not give up. The enemy will not give up. Now Nehemiah has finished the physical rebuilding of the wall, but starting in chapter 7 until the last chapter of the book of Nehemiah, he's going to help in rebuilding the lives of God's people. Now he's done with the physical rebuilding in 7 to 13, starting next week, we'll talk about the spiritual rebuilding of God's people, which is way more important than the physical rebuilding. So in verse 16, it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen and the pagan people that were about us saw these things, they were very much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrong for God. So the enemies of God's people will know that what we've been doing is God's work if we are not giving up, if we continue to persevere. Just like what the Apostle Paul tell, told the Corinthian believers. Endure. Continue to work. 
and labor in, in the work of God because your labor is never in vain. Be steadfast and immovable because our labor is never in vain in the Lord. In 17, moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. So this is the thing. Tobiah, the enemy of God, has a family relative with the Jewish people. You know, Satan is like that. He says, I cannot beat them by being against them. So what I do is that I'll join them. I'll join them as if I'm part of them. False teachers are now predominating many of the Christian churches, false teachers. Some of them are the TV preachers that you see. Satan cannot beat us by just being outside the church. He wanted to infiltrate the church just like Tobiah. Tobiah was a relative of one of the priests, a son-in-law of the priest of the people in Jerusalem. That's what Satan is doing right now. He's infiltrating the church and we don't even know it and we allow it. We don't even want to kick him out of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 18, for there were many in Judah sworn unto him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Aram, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. These people are the ones rebuilding the walls of the temple, but they have a personal relationship with the enemy of God. Satan is busy infiltrating the church, and that's what he's doing right now. We need to rise up and kick him out of the Lord's church. 19 also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. So these Jewish people who were related to Tobiah, they were the ones sending all the reports regarding Nehemiah to the enemies of God. They are double agents. They are double agents, these people. And we need to know how to pinpoint those false teachers in the church. We need to start rebuking those false teachers and when they want to be corrected, they don't want to be corrected, then we'll kick them out of the church because they don't have part in God's kingdom. In application, let me give you three important things as modern day believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we understood that intimidation from the enemy takes many forms. Gossiping is one thing that Satan can use in the church. Distraction from the work and especially fear. Fear of talking to people. What, Pastor, if I get rejected? That's why I always tell you, you're not the one being rejected by people. If they say, I don't want the truck, I don't want to talk about your so-called Lord and Savior, they're rejecting the Lord and not you. So don't be fearful. If you know the passages about the good news, the, about the gospel, be bold, be confident, and pray in the Spirit that He will help you. Secondly, worrying about our personal reputation is a trap, it's a snare. 
if we worry about our personal reputation. Nehemiah was not worrying about his own personal reputation, but he's worrying about God himself. Because if he went inside the temple, yes, of course, his, his testimony, his witness will be affected, but more than that, he doesn't want to dishonor the Lord. The respect and the fear of God and the reverence towards God is topmost in his mind. He wanted God to be praised and to be honored in, through, through his life. Thirdly, advice that contradicts God's instruction is worthless. So when you seek advice and those people give you advices, just like the prophet in, the, in, in this chapter, if they will give you advice that are unbiblical, you know that this person is not speaking the voice of God. We need to understand that the Word of God should always be the basis of every counsel or instruction that we get or that we give to other people. Otherwise, we are dishonoring the Word of God. So I pray and hope that all of us have learned so much. Because as we go through the next few weeks, we'll talk about the spiritual rebuilding of our lives. And that will be probably more relevant to all of us. And Nehemiah will devote seven chapters. Only six chapters for the rebuilding of the wall, but more chapters about the spiritual rebuild, rebuilding. And if you are here today, do you need to rebuild your spiritual life? You need to ask yourself. Is your spiritual life going down the drain right now? Are you getting discouraged? Perhaps there's one big problem in your life right now that's causing you to spiritually slide from the truth. And you know what's the most important thing? The Word of God. If you are not spending much time in reading the Word of God, whatever you do, whether you attend church, listen to Bible studies, or even give out gospel tracts, that those things will be affected if you are not reading the Word of God. Because our energy, our strength, our effort should always come from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who lives in each one of us. So I encourage you, as we go through the next few weeks, if you are not meditating on the Word of God as your usual habit in the past, get back into that routine. Because without the Word of God, we can never be changed. Without the Word of God, we can never learn more on how to approach people, on how to talk to the Lord, how to fellowship, and so on. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this message. As we face so much intimidation from the enemy, they're not usually physical enemies, but spiritual enemies of, of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to continue to depend and trust in you, knowing that you're the only one who can give us victory over these enemies, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord, not to be distracted from your work. Help us, Lord, not to be fearful 
of our own life. Help us, Lord, not to be affected by lies, by falsehood, by gossips and rumors that are not true, O oh Lord. But help us, Lord, to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Lord, as you help us rebuild our spiritual lives, help us also, Lord, to continue to help other people in our midst to rebuild their spiritual lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.